All right, Justin, sing me a song about being a 10-year-old boy that's got an imaginary friend who's Hitler. Uh, what was that thing on Robot Chicken? Little Hitler. Always having fun. There you go. That's vastly inappropriate. <laughs> you sound like a terrible person. <laughs> you don't now. remember Little Hitler? No, I know Little Hitler. I'm just saying, <laughs> you sound terrible. <laughs> that's what he was. He was Little Hitler, always having fun. No. Even when he got it right, it was just inappropriate. So yeah, what are we doing? I know it was, it was just yeah, inappropriate. Yeah. What are you doing? Let's just start this fucking episode, dear God. Oh. Hey, Cinefans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin, and we are doing a an episode uh, requested from a listener, which I feel bad about that a listener had to request this. It just came at a very bad time when it came to movie release schedules. Uh, we were doing Jojo Rabbit. It's when it first came out, none of us got to see it because it was just like in select theaters. And by the time it got wider, we just had a billion other movies to go through. And so finally, now that it's on like digital download and stuff like that, we can finally talk about Jojo Rabbit because we can finally fucking watch this movie. Um, so we're going to talk about what we liked and like and everything in between. And as we've been doing lately, we will uh, do non-spoilers first and then give you spoilers later with time codes in the description to let you know when that happens. Um... So let's go ahead and start this off. Uh, since Justin's an asshole and uh, singing ha- vastly inappropriate songs, um, Heather, talk about Jojo Rabbit. Oh, <laughs> well, I this is another movie that I didn't really fully know what to expect going into the movie. Um, I had heard a lot of great things about it. Obviously, it got a lot of award nominations and things like that, and won a couple of them. But, um, yeah, I was, I was curious about it, but like we said, there was just not a lot of opportunity right away to watch it. But, um, honestly it was, it was surprisingly not, not that it was surprising that it was good, but just, I really liked it more than I expected I would. Um, it was really well done. It was very beautifully shot. It really kind of reminded me of like a Wes Anderson type of film in the way that it looked. Um, but the acting is superb across the board. Everybody does a great job. The kids, um, the, the main kid who is in this movie, um, his name is Roman Griffin Davis, who plays Jojo. He is just outstanding in this role and he really just, he does such a great job taking you through this journey that he's on in this entire movie. Um, and just kind of seeing some things like in the perspective of how he would see them. So it was um, really well done in that way. And I feel like it had so many elements of the comedy, the drama, the action. Um, The story was very well told. It was captivating enough to really just kind of want, want you to see it through to the end of it. And it was Um, it was different than other movies that you've seen that are kind of dealing with this type of subject matter. It was refreshing. It was unique and definitely original. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's just a really, 
I guess, honestly, just unique and original is the best way I could describe this movie. But it was refreshing. And um, you'll go into it and you're going to like, you know, a few minutes in and you're already going to be like, what is going on in this movie? You know, but it's going to be something that you're really going to enjoy. You're going to be really glad that you saw it. Um, I was sad that I had to wait so long to see it, but it really was totally worth it. And I get completely why so many people have been raving about this movie. Okay, Justin, you're ungrounded. What do you think? I'm sorry about my my insolence earlier. Um, but no, uh, this movie, um, <laughs> this, but no, um, I actually really enjoyed this too, um, just like Heather did. And it was interesting because honestly, man, I wasn't, this was one of those times where I really wasn't in the mood to watch a movie, but I kind of, but I was, time was running out and I had to see this one. And I was like, man, dude, I don't even really, I'm not even like in movie mood right now uh whenever i started this film but to the film's credit the moment it starts um i i was intrigued and then the next thing i knew um i was like man i'm really i'm really liking this movie or man this that, that was a cool looking shot or man i really like what these characters are doing or man i'm i'm wondering where this story is going and i was also laughing i was laughing at parts and just really enjoying the journey that Taika Waititi took us on so i have to give credit where credit is due i wasn't even really in the mood for this but the film grabbed me and um and i ultimately enjoyed the ride I think that this has some strong acting performances, especially from Roman Griffin Davis and Scarlett Johansson. They really kill it in this movie. And Taika Waititi, man, as Adolf. I mean, the the, the weird thing about this movie is that I just, you know, when I saw the previews and everything, I'm not going to lie, the, the film kind of rubbed me the wrong way because I saw him as Adolf and he was saying and doing kind of these zany funny things and and I was kind of like well and I, and it just rubbed me the wrong way and I remember saying to myself I don't think I'm ready for a funny Hitler you know what I mean I don't think I'm ready for like a uh, a, a funny endearing type of Hitler and just the way the the, the film looked in the previews and stuff like that I just kind of got the wrong feeling from it but watching the film and understanding what Adolf is in this movie and the context of it and, and, and what he actually is, it actually goes very well with this film. And I, I really like it. I think that um, the the chemistry that Watiti has with with um, with Roman is great. And I thought that that was just a great tandem. Anytime they had scenes together or was doing, or he was doing something as Adolf, it was just funny or it made sense or the ideologies presented and how they're kind of affecting this kid and what he's thinking and what he's doing. So all of that made for just such an entertaining movie. And it was just something that I totally didn't expect. I didn't know what I was going to get from this movie, but honestly, I really think that it's a great film. I really think that it does um, a great job. And yeah, so whatever preconceived notions I had about the film, negative that I had going in, um, were completely unwarranted. Um, so yeah, this is going to be one that I really enjoyed and one that I will recommend. Yeah. For me, this was kind of an interesting film. 
when it came to some of the same things you were talking about, Justin, where it's like, do I really want to see a movie where that's like got a funny Hitler in it? And, but at the end of the day, I became curious about it just because it is Taika Waititi. He's incredibly smart, incredibly funny. And I like pretty much everything I've seen of his, whether it's like hunt for the wilder people or what we do in the shadows or Thor Ragnarok. I've always enjoyed what Taika Waititi's done. And so to me, I kind of just had to feel like, all right, maybe it's just a shitty trailer or, you know, yeah, maybe the, the trailer is just not doing a good enough job portraying what it's actually going to be. And so that's what kind of piqued my interest with this. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad we did give it a chance. We did watch it and it did do good and all this other stuff because it really is a fantastic movie. It like what you guys were saying with the acting and just in the humor and the way they portray it. And just in general, how this movie is able to, it seems like it would be a little too fantastical or, you know, a little bit too humorous about this subject from the point of view it is until you really isolate it down to, it's the point of view of a 10 year old. And it shows how impressionable they are and how, how they can get swept up in things so easily with zero understanding whatsoever of what the fuck is actually going on. I mean, and it just makes me think back to like when I was 10 and stuff like that. And like, I don't know about you, but like when you were younger, did like your schools ever do like presidential elections, like where you could go vote for the people that were actually running for president to see how the school would vote and stuff like that? I never got to do that, but I wish we had done something like that. But no, I don't remember us ever doing that. Yeah, no, I remember that. Well, I just remember distinctly like it was the... George H.W. Bush, Bill Clinton, Ross Perot election. And I was at Great House Elementary in Midland, Texas. And, you know, we all did like a little school vote. And, you know, we voted for all this other stuff. They were like, yeah, George, you know, George Bush wins and all this other stuff. And I'm like, and I think Ross Perot had like a stupid number of votes too. And like looking back on it, I'm like, well, yeah, of course. Like, I mean, regardless of anything else, I'm like, yeah, we're all like, little kids we're just going to vote exactly with what we've heard our parents talk about you know or like you would have that was back when dana carvey was doing like the ross perot impressions and stuff like that on snl you know and i think that's and i think they did ross perot i think on all that i want to say it was amanda Bynes used to do ross perot on all that and so now that i'm thinking about it i'm like well yeah those were the ones the only ones that got any votes because like you were just impressionable young minds. And like, like I said, you were just a sponge for whatever everybody else around you was saying. And it's just fascinating when you then put that into the perspective of, you know, like this movie, when it comes to Nazi Germany where Jojo, yeah, he would say some of the horrible things the Nazis would say, but like he had no real, I don't want to say understanding, but sense of reality with some of the things he was saying or like his little friend, who would say things, you know, like, oh, I heard the Russians are coming here to like eat us and fuck our dogs. And, but then he would say things like that because that's what he heard was said. But then, you know, when Jojo would talk to him about stuff, other stuff, he would have this really insightful look into it. And by just putting it into that perspective, it really opens this movie up to have, to being a very funny and heartfelt and unique movie. I mean, and it really kind of puts you and its characters through a very insane roller coaster of emotions. And 
like now I want to go back to our, our little like end of the year or, you know, our Academy Awards episode and all this other stuff and just change my opinions on all this stuff just because we hadn't seen Jojo at the time. Like this easily would have been up there in my best movies of 2019. Um, yeah, me too. I would have changed my opinions on a lot of, you know, some of my Oscar stuff based on this movie. And I just, it just kind of makes me, I, I don't want to say this, but like it makes me kind of hate the movie industry. Like, because they'll sit there and they'll put these movies, like they'll promote them, promote them, promote them. Like I had seen dozens and dozens of trailers for Jojo Rabbit in theaters. And then all of a sudden it gets released and they're like, me, I don't know when you'll see it eventually. It'll be in a theater maybe somewhere. And I mean, it's, it's the same exact thing they did with the movie. What is it? The Lodge? We'd seen all these trailers yep. for it. And then all of a sudden it comes out and yeah. it's in like five theaters in the world. And you're like, well, what the fuck? Like, why did I see trailers for it for like four weeks in a row? Just to like not actually have it get a wide release. Like, especially nowadays with the internet and stuff like that. Like, if you're going to put the marketing behind it to where, you know, it's playing in theaters. Because I understand if I'm seeing trailers online and I don't get to see the movie. Because online you can watch all the trailers ever. They're all there. But like when you're putting them before movies in a movie theater at a national chain, then why is it not coming out? Like, why is it coming out in such small, small quantities? I mean, 1917 was the same way. I felt like for five months straight, I was seeing a trailer for 1917 every weekend. <laughs> yeah, my goodness. There and then it lot. comes out and then they're like, Oh, it's a limited release for the first four weeks. And then, you know, mid-January, it's going to come out wide. And you're like, why the fuck have I been seeing all these trailers for it then? <coughs> and I feel like Jojo Rabbit did the same thing. It's just utterly flabbergasting. And it makes us, like, it makes it so hard to then, like, then watch these movies. Because then by the time this movie was in a movie theater, we had, like, four other movies to watch that weekend or some shit. Like, it would be one of the, it's just like, I can't spend as much as I'd love to, I can't spend every fucking minute I have at a movie theater just because you guys play fucking dumb with these release schedules. Like we're now in the middle, at least in Illinois, but also as a nation, we're in the middle of this pandemic crisis and all this other stuff. And hopefully, you know, when it's all said and done and we get through this, like I'm actually kind of paranoid as to what the release schedules are going to be for movies. Then are they just going to be, is it going to be a gigantic fucking free for all? Are they just going to start throwing movies at us? And just cram like six, seven big releases in a fucking weekend? That's a good question, man. I haven't even thought about that. And nobody's given any answers. So that's a very good question. We have no clue. All they're doing right now is pushing movies that they can. But like, is it going to... Like some of them, they're just giving... Like some of them, yes, they have given us like defined release dates. You know, like not enough time to die or whatever the fuck that new James Bond movie is got pushed to November and fast and furious nine got pushed to like what next April or something in 2021. But like you're getting to the point now where you've got like black widow, new mutants, um, all these movies, are they going to push them all into like June? Whenever, like if, hopefully then whenever all this stuff releases, are we then all of a sudden crammed into June or crammed into July? Like this really is the, like as much un as there is uncertainty, about all aspects of life right now, since we are a movie podcast, we get to focus on movies. Like, how fucked is that going to get? It's going to be utter insanity. 
And is it going to be fun insanity? Like, is it just going to be like, oh my God, we get to watch like nine movies a weekend. Like, is it, or not nine, but is it like three movies a weekend for like five straight months? Like that would be kind of fun, but like, or is it just going to be this free for all of there's just too many things to watch and everything's just going to be scalping each other. So you're, you might have good movies that come out that don't get a lot of box office and stuff like that because there's too much to see. Or are they all going to get pushed to streaming services like we've seen now? Like, I know this is a huge tangent, but it's all built off the backs of the Jojo Rabbit got fucked around in just the Christmas, you know, November Christmas schedule. Like, what are we going to see now? Anyway, I think, and I don't know, maybe I ranted enough about that. But no, I really liked Jojo Rabbit. All said and done, let's loop it back around. I liked Jojo Rabbit. Uh, so recommendations and scores then. Um, Justin, what's your recommendation and score? Do I recommend this? Yes, I do. I think that um, this ultimately was a great movie. Now I totally understand why at the end of 2019, it was up for all the awards and people got nominated and it was uh, hearkened as one of the best films because it was. And I share a lot of your same sentiments, Sterling. It's just uh, crazy with uh, the release schedule of this and how uh, you, you saw so many previews for it, didn't get to see it. And then it comes to the end of the year. You think you got a good grasp. I mean, we try to see all of the relevant movies and then some. And, you know, we try to give the the most informed opinions that we can. And it does suck when something like this movie gets missed and we can't fully with with the totality of our opinions on these movies, give uh, an accurate end of the year because we didn't get to see movies like this. So that does kind of suck, man. But with that being said, no, if this was one that you missed, if you were like us and you didn't get to see it in uh, movie theaters, it's definitely worth a rent. It's definitely worth a watch wherever it's streaming. I do highly recommend this. I mean, even though the subject matter may seem a bit touchy, it's it, it it does it in the right ways it's got it's a lot of good great emotion it's got um uh, like he said a roller coaster of emotions it's got great acting and it's got a lot of heart too which we will get into in the non-spoilers for i'm sure we will but this movie has a lot of heart and the message is a very good one and i think a very pertinent one in today's times so with that being said i can recommend it um the, the, this was definitely an A. It was beautifully shot, well acted, and it has a great message overall. So for me, that's an A. I'm going to give this 92, um, 92 uh, Hitler's <laughs> spinning around, dancing in a hallway out of 100. This is a very good film. Justin, you are seriously worrying me with some of these things you're saying. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I definitely recommend it too. It's um, it's very heartfelt and heartwarming in ways that you don't expect it to be. And I did appreciate how well they they transitioned from the comedy parts to the drama parts and how they kind of just wrapped everything up and made you understand what they were trying to do with what this movie was. Um, yeah, it's absolutely worth watching for sure. And, um, it's, you, you'll, you'll leave it and you'll definitely come out of it and you'll just think that you've never seen anything like it before. And it's very refreshing. So yeah, you should definitely watch this one. 
Um, I also agree. I definitely see the hype of it and why people were just really all about this movie this past year is very, very good. Um, it is not overhyped. It is definitely worth um, all the things that people were saying about it and all the awards it was up for. It's very good. Um, I'm going to give it a, um, I'll also give it an A. I'm going to give it 90 um, chasing butterflies out of a building um, with your head down so you don't see the world around you out of 100. I think this movie really kind of shows how much of a genius Taika Waititi is. And he's got this wonderful ability to have movies centered around children that just will blindside you with how good they are and how adult they can still feel. He really is something to look out for. I mean, he can he can do something like this. He can do Hunt for the Wilder People. Or he can do like Thor Ragnarok. Or even a few episodes of the Disney Plus series The Mandalorian. You know, he's he's able to go back and forth like that and still feel uh, unique and still feel genuine to to his message and everything like that. And I think it's a very unique quality that I'm hoping to get to see more and more of uh, just as time goes on. And it really makes me want to make sure that, you know, when Taika Waititi does a movie, especially something he gets to write and direct himself, uh, it really makes me want to take notice and to make sure I don't miss that like we did this one. So for me, I'm going to give this 96 fabulous looking Sam Rockwell's out of 100. So now for spoilers, 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 spoilers. Um, here we go. Were you guys surprised Scarlett Johansson fucking died? Yep. Didn't see that coming. Yeah. Yeah, me neither. And that was sad the way that it happened and how you realized it too. Like it was just, you see the shoes, you're like, oh no. That was sad, man. My heart just dropped. And she was great in this movie, by the way. Her as the mother, I mean, she, she was great in this movie. Like, I can understand why she got that double nomination, you know? See, I can't understand that. I thought she was, I thought she was really good. It's just, I don't know. I just, to me, her getting nominated for this felt a little like a stretch. Because, I mean, I don't, I can't even say that she did an amazing German accent, you know? It's just one of those things that... I felt like her role was more important than her acting was in this. Like the character of the mother, I think. And honestly, I think the character of the mother was elevated because of Jojo. I mean, just his like charisma and his chemistry with her. I felt elevated it because I felt like he had that chemistry throughout every, like with his interactions with everybody. And I mean, not to say that she didn't have good chemistry with other people. I'm just saying that her interactions were more limited. But yeah, that scene when you find her, like when Jojo finds her hanging there, and I I felt kind of dumb not seeing it coming just because of like how much they focused on her fucking shoes. And me even thinking, why the fuck are they focusing so much on her damn shoes? I was like, don't tell me Taika's another fucking Quentin Tarantino that's got some weird fucking foot fetish. Like that's, I was like, what is going on? And then when that scene happens and you go, the shoes, oh no, the shoes. Then you go, okay, Taika's just a really good director. He's not a foot fetishist, which if you're a foot fetishist, that's fine. 
I'm just saying it don't make your movies about it, Quentin. But yeah, no, I was not expecting that. That was a way more serious turn. And it's it's not that you shouldn't expect a serious turn in this movie, given the subject matter. I just didn't think they were going to go that route. And just everything about it, like then Sam Rockwell's uh, actions in the scene before that make more sense and all this other stuff. You're just like, fuck, man. Like that just, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I just was not expecting that. And 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 that little girl too, I thought she was fantastic. I really did. I thought the the the, the way she would kind of go from being slightly menacing toward Jojo in a playful way. I mean, but then at the same time, she's like, well, this kid does want to be a Nazi, so fuck him type of way. But like just her her doing that and then the way she was with Scarlet and then the way she would like kind of show, like have her emotions peek through when she was talking to Jojo, I just, I thought she was really, really great. I just think, and I think we would talk more about her performance. If, if main man Jojo just wasn't a fucking rock star in this movie, like this kid knocked it out the fucking park, whether it was his conversations with her, you know, when he would, he would say terrible, terrible things to her. And, and when he would say them, you would, you would feel like he genuinely had belief in it. And then right afterwards, he would have that little kid like, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. And you would believe that too. Like you would really believe both sides of how he was acting towards stuff. And I thought it was really fucking great the way uh, that kid did that. But yeah, like with, with her dying, I was like, holy fuck. And that kid did such a great scene. Like job doing that whenever he's, he's literally standing there acting with shoes. His co-star in that scene is a pair of fucking shoes. And he nails it like he's a fucking carpenter building a fence he just fucking nails it and i i i I just to go broader with some of this stuff i really loved i actually really kind of loved rebel wilson and i haven't liked rebel wilson in a role in a long time um (laughs) i thought i thought stephen merchant was great i just loved that they picked the tallest gangliest man in the history of the world to just stand above people and be weirdly physically and psychologically menacing, even though he's really not. He's just tall. He's as thick of as a sprig of asparagus, but he's absurdly tall. And I just loved the visuals they did with how much he towers over everybody. And, you know, those little scenes with, with Sam Rockwell, I thought Sam Rockwell was sneaky, utterly fucking amazing in this movie. Because a lot of the scenes that he had that were truly powerful were very subtle scenes. And I 100% loved every aspect of his performance with that. I'm, I don't, I can't say I fully understand a lot of his motivations because I know he wanted to be that heroic soldier. And, but then at the same time, they very much, his, it's through his actions and some of the things that weren't said but shown he didn't really line up with with the whole Nazi mindset. You know, he just wanted to be that war hero. But then at the same time, if he's a really good war hero, that means Nazi Germany wins, which he doesn't really line up with. And so, like, I wish there was a little bit more clarification on it because I thought I really understood that when I watched it. But as more time has passed, I found myself not quite understanding what happened there. And... It just kind of makes it a little muddy, but I do believe 
that everything else surrounding it is too good for that to really detract from how much I enjoyed this movie. But it's just this one little thing. It's like a little little tickle in my throat. And I just wish there was slightly more clear with what was going on with his character. But overall, I I still, I just, I loved it. Um, who's next? Chastin. Yeah, when, oh. No, it's your turn. Go, do your thing. Cool. Um, and I was just going to add that uh, with the Sam Rockwell. Yeah, one scene that definitely stood out to me was um, whenever him and the uh, and the other soldiers are are looking around, and then they find uh, the the girl, and she's pretending to be um, JoJo's big sister, Elsa. That I was trying to remember the character name. When Elsa's pretending to be JoJo's uh, big sister, and whenever he asked her, uh, you know, let let me see the ID, and he's looking at it and he says, "Say your birthday." You could tell that when she said it, just just the look on his face and and everything, and when he and when she said the wrong birthday, you find out later. But in that moment, the look that he gave and the understanding in his face and the fact that you could just tell that after everything, cause he knew Jojo, he knew her, he knew his mom, you know, and you could just tell what that was whenever he said, okay, it's correct. And then the other soldiers left, you could just tell what he was doing and you understood his actions and you didn't really have to, you didn't need a scene afterwards of them, you know, talking and him going, yeah, I did it because you understood why he did it. And it was all in his facials. All of that was in his facial expressions. And even though later they come back and go, Oh, I didn't get the name. I didn't get when she's, when Elsa goes, I didn't get the birthday, right? He let me get by. You already knew that happened because of just how good his acting was. So that, that was just definitely a scene that stood out to me. I knew right away what happened uh, when he did that. So that you just hearing you talk about him, that was a scene that just made me uh, think about his performance. So I oh, thought that yeah. was great. I, I, um, I loved it. That was one of the many things like the, the scenes I was talking about. Like he was just utterly fucking fantastic. And, and like you said, you know that he he helped them out, you know. But as much as then like later in the movie when he wanted to go fight Americans, I just wish I understood why he wanted to fight for Germany so strongly given that he obviously didn't line up with Nazi point of views. Do you get what I'm saying? Like that part of it is what was unclear for me. Yeah. And I just think it would have been so yeah. interesting because I think he could have nuanced the fuck out of it, like a little mini dialogue about it. You know what I mean? I just kind of wish we had that scene with Sam Rockwell because he would have just acted the fuck out of it and it would have been amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's, and what you're saying is totally justified because they don't really explain those aspects of his motivation because you, you, and you're right. You don't get the sense. Is this a guy, like you said, he just wants to be a war hero and he doesn't really believe all the, the Nazi BS, but this is the only way to do it. So here he is. So is he just kind of going along because he, sees this he has this personal goal you really don't know uh does he not 
really believe in the in the Nazi stuff, but he feels like he was forced or was he talked into it by his family or was it pressure or, you know, you're right. We just don't really know that part of it. And, and you're right. I don't think I don't think it would have hurt the movie to have any kind of anything like that in it. So it, it would have been cool to see that aspect of that character. So I totally agree with that in, in that regard. And yeah, and what you said about Thomason McKenzie, the the one who plays the, the, the Jew that was hiding, Elsa. Yeah, man, I really liked her too. And I thought that she had some of the best lines, like whenever um, JoJo is asking her and he's like, okay, I've got this book. I'm going to write down all these things that you tell me. So tell me what, what is a Jew? What are some of the main characteristics of a Jew? And then when she said, well, basically we're like you, except we're human. Like that was such a great line, man, because there's that double meaning in there about that lot. I thought that was just such a great line. And then, you know, Jojo, oh yeah, right. You know, he's he's writing and he stops and he goes, oh yeah, right. Like you're being a smart ass. But what she was saying, it, th th that's such a great double meaning. You know what I mean? And, and that and that was just something that I really appreciated about these mo this movie is just that all those little things that it's saying. And then, and this kid, be, like you said, being Jojo and, and the actor, Roman, he did a fantastic job, man. I mean, he really did. But him being so and just what I loved about it was just him being so impressionable and having all these views and, oh, yeah, you know, I'm really going to do this. And him imagining and him kind of looking up to Hitler so much and not really having any idea of what he really what he's looking up to, but just the propaganda, everything that that was had to have been going on in Germany at that time, and him, uh, and and him basically kind of holding Hitler in such a, a high esteem that he kind of had this invisible buddy version of Hitler that he talked to and related to and told them to do things and like, oh, you can't do this. And, um, I, you know, why are you having conversations with that Jew and stuff like that? It just really made for an interesting dynamic. And when you understand Adolf in that context, that, that this is not the Adolf Hitler. And that's why I think the previews were a little bit, um, you know, it, it, I'm not saying they tricked me, but it was easy to misinterpret what this Hitler was. But when you understand that this is Hitler from the perspective of a 10 year old who looks up to him and sees him as kind of like his hero that he's trying to follow, it totally makes sense. And Hitler doing these zany things and stuff like that, of course, it all makes sense because this is a 10 year old imagining this person. And, you know, we know that really he's this monster and everything like that. But how this 10 year old who's impressionable and sees him, how a 10 year old must see him in that world, in that country at that time, I, you know, you can see it. You know, you can see it. It's just like uh, any kid that kind of 
holds a person or a hero or something in high esteem and wants to be like them and imagines he talks to him or imagines, oh man, you know, one day I'm going to meet him and we're going to be the best of buddies or whatever, you know, kid, you know, however kids look up to heroes and stuff. So it all made sense within the context of this story. So when you're seeing Hitler doing these things, it's, it's funny because it, it's not how I got to say this right. It's funny because it's it's funny not because oh Hitler is funny. It's funny because this kid sees him like this. And it's funny because Taika Waititi is doing a great job and the and Roman as Jojo's doing a great job, but it's also funny because you know that this guy is a monster. But the way this kid sees him, the propaganda, how impressionable he is, it makes it funny. It just makes it even more funny because this kid just has no idea, but that's kind of what the, what makes those interactions work is that he just, what he's imagining and what actually is, is just completely two different things. And I love this story about this kid actually meeting a Jew and finding out that his mother was actually helping to hide one. And like all of the things he had been taught and thought, it just wasn't true when he met the person. It just wasn't true when he got to have interactions with this with this girl. And then he began to even fall for this girl. And it was just kind of one of those things where it was just a great story about love and acceptance and just how, you, you know, it's very anti-hate. You know, you can't and just how and it really shows in a very nice way with the perspective of these kids, how dangerous it can be to have those prejudices, to look at people like this and to look at people as superior and what you might be missing out on when you act like this or when you believe this way and just how stupid you can sometimes sound when you have those views of supremacy and different things like that and you're blind to who people actually are and 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 so i think that all of that was in there and it was all just so beautifully done in this movie so those were just a few things i just thought i had to say about it heather what about you well, since we are discussing our favorite Sam Rockwell scenes, <laughs> I'm going to throw mine in there too. I actually, the the scene that got me the most with his character was um, when the fighting of that day or whatever is over and he's captured and Jojo finds him and, um, you know, he's talking to him. Just basically just everything about how he did that scene was amazing because he was talking to Jojo, like, you know, nothing's wrong. We didn't just have this crazy war happen. We're not captured. You know, he's really trying to, for whatever reason, he had this very protective thing over Jojo. Like he was very protective of Jojo in a lot of ways. And that scene, I think it all culminated there. Um, when, you know, he's trying to be like, you know what, everything's going to be fine. You're going to go on to live a long life. And then he basically just, pretty much saves his life right there. And I think you're right, Sterling, about you don't really know, like, what is his motive for that in the first place um, with the whole, like, wanting to fight for them, but then not really lining up with what they believe. And I wonder if maybe just through the course of the things that he saw as the um, as being in charge, if maybe that's kind of what start, started to change his mind about it was just like, 
I see what's happening here and I just don't like it, you know, and who knows? I mean, they don't really explore that, but I wonder if that might be part of it, especially when you're close to somebody like he is with Jojo and he knows his mom and his family. And even that line that he says in that scene where he's like, your mom was a good person, like an actual good person, you know? And I think in his mind, he's thinking I pretend to be, or we pretend to be or whatever, but she was legitimately a good person. And I think maybe seeing things like that more and more, maybe he was just like, yeah, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And, you know, he just kind of, in a sense, sort of redeemed his character there in that moment a little bit. Um, I mean, he was kind of already that character that you're like, what's he about? You know, but I just, in that moment, I loved that scene. And that scene really got me too, because, I mean, he just you know, he made sure that Jojo didn't get stuck there with him and get killed. And I was just like, man, that's crazy, you know? So I don't know. I just, I really loved that scene. And I think that scene kind of encompasses everything about what Sam Rockwell's character was in the whole movie. So I really enjoyed that scene a lot. Um, But yeah, I think um, Roman as Jojo, he really did nail it. He was incredible and I really wish that he would have gotten a little bit more recognition for his performance because he really just, because he, he was the person that he had interactions with everybody, you know, and he's the only one technically that had the interaction with Hitler because it was in his mind. So just seeing his dynamic with everybody was incredible. And with Elsa, like I think their chemistry and their dynamic together was so great. And um, him and his mom, like I loved that scene when she's trying to explain to him the importance of his dad being gone and trying to keep him in good spirits with everything going on and just at the table, you know, just the imagination that she put into that really whatever she was doing she, you could tell she's doing it for her son. She's doing it for Jojo. And you just see the love that his mom had for him and how she was just wanting to do anything that she could to make his life better. And um, the you're right, though, because that's kind of the only real interactions you see her have her with Jojo. I mean, she has a little bit of it with Elsa, which is really good, too, um, because Elsa, I think that the mom is the first person Elsa kind of sees is like, she's actually a good person. Like she's, she's on the opposite side, but she's, she's good, you know? So I think, and that, I think you're right. Like her role of what her character was, was very important to this movie. And maybe that is why she got that nomination because the, the character, it was a very supporting role like it, it supported everything that happened in that movie. So I do understand why I guess they considered that to be something to be nominated for, for Scarlett Johansson. But you're right. I mean, it's not like, oh, you know, that's the most amazing work she's ever done because she's in this whole movie or whatever. But I see why that role specifically is a good supporting role nomination. So I kind of get it, but I know what you mean with that. Um, but yeah, just all of the dynamics between everybody is so incredible. And like, you know, and even just, I wondered why this movie was going to be called Jojo Rabbit. And then you hear just the, you see the scene where they try to get him to kill that rabbit and he won't do it. And so he just becomes like the weakling, so to speak or whatever. And so that's kind of the whole thing about it. And, um, just how they incorporate that into it and, 
just his progression of who he becomes throughout this movie, because you're right. This is from the perspective of a 10 year old boy and how he sees the world mostly and all these things. And he just has this innocence about him where he doesn't really see anybody as like a bad person, (laughs) like anybody on the, 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 um, in the team, anybody that's part of Hitler's, you know, army, Hitler himself, he just sees because his whole life has been, oh, I'm, this is my hero. I want to be like him. So, of course, anything that they're going to do is not going to be bad because they follow Hitler. And so just kind of seeing how he perceived everybody and just seeing everybody through the eyes of a child. And it was a really interesting perspective to have it in. And then you kind of see more throughout the film how the more crazy things that happen, the more he learns from Elsa about what's going on and the more he learns from the outside world about what's going on and um, what happens to his mom and everything. You just, you see his innocence kind of slowly go away and he has more anger about it and his perception of who Hitler is goes away too. And he's like, I don't need this idealistic whatever I've made up in my head anymore because I know it's not real. And just kind of seeing that progression in Jojo throughout the movie is really cool because like, you know, like Jason's saying where it's like, it's funny how they're portraying Hitler, not because he's funny, but just because it's obviously a little boy's take on his hero, you know, but then kind of seeing how, you know, heroes disappoint and you see things for what they really are, the more you learn about the world. And I think that's a really cool thing and how they showed that in this movie was really beautiful so i i just think that the storytelling is so amazing in this and you are right rebel wilson was good in this (laughs) like i honestly was like okay like this is probably one of the best roles i've seen her do ever especially in a long time but yeah it was just like even rebel wilson like literally everybody in this movie did such a great job of their role and Jojo's little friend, I can't remember his name, but the kid with the glasses that was like his his best friend, he was so good too because he was just, um, his name was Yorkie. Um, he was just <laughs> very unfazed kind of. He was just like, yeah, I've just got to, you know, do what they're telling me I got to do because they're the adults. And <laughs> like, he was just very unfazed by things and you know, where he's like, well, I guess it's not a good time to be a Nazi because all this is happening. Like, just very matter of fact about everything he said. And it was very funny because also the <laughs> perspective of a child, you know, where he's like, he doesn't fully understand the weight of everything happening because he's a kid, you know. So it was just, but there was the one scene that I just thought was so beautiful was the scene when Jodo goes out and he sees the fighting and the wars happening and all this. And it's actually when he runs into Sam Rockwell's character and um, the guy, his right-hand man, you know, and he's like fighting and whatever, but you just see in that moment, in that scene where everybody's running for their lives and everything's exploding and all these things. And Jojo, you just kind of see this look on his face where he's just like, what is going on? Like, this is not at all what I thought this was going to be. And then especially to the part when he, the heartbreak that you see of him lying to Elsa about who won the war, that got me because you're just like, oh no, he doesn't want her to leave. So he lied to her, but he knows that that's not something that he could keep up, you know? So you just see the heartbreak of like, I don't want to lose you because you're the only person I have, but I'm afraid to be alone, you know? And just every 
emotion and every single thing that he did in this movie was very much real and very um, heartfelt. And you just feel like none of his motives were supposed to be very, um, you know, there weren't bad intentions on anything he was doing. He was just kind of doing what he's either seen done or you see that he's just like, okay, I probably shouldn't have done that. And then he quickly you know, makes up for what he said or did. So he, it, it very much is a little kid and how he would be in that situation. And it was so brilliant how it was written, how the acting was done. Just everything about the movie was very um, captivating, honestly. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really think of many things about it that weren't, um, I mean, I guess maybe I could see in a little bit more of the backstory of the father who wasn't around. I understand that he wasn't really important in the sense of to the whole movie, but just understanding a little bit more of why he's never there. And, you know, if there was any kind of like motive around that, um, that would be a little bit more of what I would like. And then maybe seeing the mother having more interactions with people other than Jojo, just because she was such a great character. I wanted to see more of how she would be, relationally with other people and knowing that you know she's hiding this girl but also trying to play it cool and all of that so I think that would have been a little bit more of a good dynamic to see a little bit more in the movie but otherwise I really can't think of anything in this movie that just wasn't done extremely well no I agree with that but I I I would like to say though that I don't think the Americans would have killed little Jojo he was just a child I know they were rounding up the Nazis, but I don't think they would have killed little Jojo. We're, I mean, we weren't Nazis. I get you don't it. think so? That was the best joke ever. <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> I was like, I can't really tell what happened here. <laughs> I see what you did there. But no, I don't think they would have killed him. I mean, even because either way, he was a small child. Like it's, you know, he might've gotten bombed, but at that point when everything was all done, I don't think they would have killed him. I mean, it's like, He's a child. He, you know, was sitting there getting told what to do. He's a child. We can't kill. Just sit there and round up and kill a child. Now, were they like rounding him up to get him off the street? Yes. But I don't think we would have killed them, you know. But anyway, that's just my thought. And it was mainly a setup for that great joke, which I think is <laughs> at least top three jokes ever made on Cinema Slayers. Oh, boy. <laughs> so I'm going to go with that. Uh, any final thoughts for you guys? No, I think that's it. No, and 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 that and one last thing I'll say about it is Wait, just you, like you can't the way say that it was no shot. and um, then go into a final thing. Like that's contradictory, Justin. You should say yes. I, said well. I thought I said. Oh, well. I thought you said no. Well, one final thing. I, I said well. <laughs> that's what I heard. No, I, I heard. I'm pretty no. sure I said well. No, that's fine. All right, go ahead. No, I was I was just giving you shit for saying no and then following up with one final thing. Hey, man, come on, man, come on, man, come on, man. I'll laugh more at your jokes next time. I promise. Um, <laughs> that's mainly uh, it. You guys no, waited so long to laugh at my A plus <laughs> plus great, like solid quality grade prime humor. And you guys fucking just waited like nine years to laugh, and it really hurt. Oh man, <laughs> I know. I could tell it just—it really just bit you in the ass. I'm sorry, man. Sorry, I bit you in the butt. Um. But no, I was just going to comment on, because Heather had said earlier that 
uh, she that some of the shots felt kind of like Wes Anderson. And I totally had the same thought. Like there were there were some shots that he did where there was a fixed camera and he's kind of and the camera seems to be like a few yard, a few steps back. And there were these like picturesque shots that he would do. And it makes me wonder, I wonder if he likes Wes Anderson or if he's ever like in an interview said that Wes Anderson is somebody who he looks up to or something because yeah, man, like there were a lot of moments in the film where I was like, man, that seemed, that's a Wes Anderson shot or, oh man, that kind of looks, this kind of reminds me of that, just the colors and everything like that. Like there was a lot of that going on. So I don't know if he is inspired by him or has some influence there, but yeah, I definitely was getting some of that vibe as well so i just wanted to talk about that because yeah that's another thing yeah. there are just some beautiful beautiful shots in the film so i just wanted to say that see i didn't necessarily feel that way uh with the wes anderson correlation just because like outside of thor ragnarok where he kind of had to stylistically visually go more in line with what marvel does outside of that like when you look at what we are in the shadows and hunt for the wilder people I feel like that just matches his visual style with what I've seen him do. Mm. And I think maybe that's why I didn't jump to Wes Anderson is it just felt in line with what I've yeah. seen from him before. That makes that's sense. Fair. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Now that we're all on the same page, as far as, you know, what Justin may or may not have said no or well to before anything else. <laughs> no, I'm good. I mean, man, this silence is just like you guys with my joke. Damn. And I say that, I say that there's not going to be that silence in the final episode, but like on the final cut, like once I've mixed it and everything, the silence won't be there. But just know, guys, I sat there for like two hours waiting on somebody just to say, no, we're done. <laughs> and there was about 57 minutes after my joke before they finally gave me a pity chuckle of one of the greatest <laughs> jokes in the history of humor. 57 minutes before they finally decided to let me know they left. Oh boy. 57 minutes. It felt longer than the fucking longest movie in the history of ever midsummer. That's how long it felt. <laughs> you guys made me Sorry, wait a midsummer to hear a laugh. I'm just saying. And on that note, guys, thank you guys for listening to the cinema slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at cinema slayers podcast. We are cinema underscore slayers on Twitter and Instagram um, you know, that things are going to be really kind of fucking crazy, uh, for the next couple of weeks. Cause you know, movie theaters are closed. Um, you know, some, some of the, you know, movie studios have just decided to release things straight to streaming, um, with your onward, you can buy it or it's on Disney plus, I think in a couple of days, um, you know, a lot of things are, you know, they're putting their movies up for sale a lot sooner. Some of them like universal has said, no, we're going to charge you 20 bucks to rent it for two days. I don't know if anybody's doing that, especially when you have Disney and Warner Brothers just going, now nah, we'll sell you the movie now. Like, fuck it. We're just going to sell you the movie now. Um, so, I mean, this is going to be really crazy. So if you guys have any other suggestions for things you guys want us to, you know, do a review on, especially off a streaming service, something like that, uh, let us know because we, we have access to pretty much every streaming service in the history of mankind at this point right now. So let us know what you, you know, you guys want to uh to do i do know we are doing another listener review show coming up which will be over the movie velocipastor because we've gotten a lot 
of requests to do that. So if you want to watch that one before we do an episode on it, it is on Amazon Prime, I know, right now. So check that one out because we've got a lot of stuff coming up. And just rumor, guys, as always, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. Little Hitler, he's always having fun. Little Hitler, he's out for number one. Little Hitler, he's always having fun. Little Hitler. Dear God, dude, what is wrong with you?